93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. This city is my city. Ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. Glad that you have tuned in. Very pleased to welcome to the Eagle Studios the president of Columbia's largest bank, of that Central Bank of Boone County, if you didn't know that already. Ed Scavone. Ed, good to have you here. Fred, good morning. Thank you. I um, am uh, excited to visit with you. There's a lot of stuff going on around town and, and uh, just trying to get our heads around the local economy and the national economy. So I'm I'm excited to have the, that conversation with you. I think our, our listeners will learn a lot today about what's happening in town and, and uh, about the banking world. Uh, it was a tumultuous year in 2023. And we'll get to that as well. But uh, uh Tell folks a little bit about your background. You are a Columbia native. I don't know that there's very many bank presidents that are Columbia natives. Well, Fred, I'm a Columbia transplant. Transplant. Okay. So I grew. I moved here in 1978. How old were you? I was 14. I okay. Was ninth grade at Oakland Junior High okay. at the time. And I then, knew you went to local schools and here. And then Hickman so. by consider yeah. Columbia my hometown. Okay, very good. And so uh, you went to the Navy uh, at one point, is that right? I was enlisted in the Navy, correct, okay. in, in, in 1987. Was in there for eight years. And how do you transition from the Navy to banking? Good question. It, <laughs> it helps if you have a mother-in-law uh, in banking and you're unemployed. Yeah, so okay, she that's found a little motivation. The, she found um, the, my, me the job. She worked for Central Bank in Moberly, which was called Citibank at the time. Yeah. And I had just, uh, um, my enlistment had ended at the military, so I was looking for work, and she gave my resume to someone and um, at the company, and it just happened to work out. Yeah, very good. How many years have you been at Central Bank? It'll be 29 years this 29 year. years, mm-hmm. very good. And yeah. how long have you been the CEO? It'll be four years this summer. Okay, uh-huh. very good. And yep. so you're, you're, the honeymoon's over. You're finally getting into... Uh... <laughs> I don't think there was a honeymoon. I took over <laughs> during the COVID year, so there was not uh, much honeymoon. And you came from the, the commercial uh, lending side of the business. Is that correct? Correct. I, I came up through the audit side of the house, and mm-hmm. then uh, in, in January of 2000, uh, became a commercial loan officer, and, and that was really a great yeah. experience working with business owners like yourself yep. over the years mm-hmm. and um, learned a lot about banking and the community and got to meet a lot of the uh, great business leaders in this community. Yeah, that's, those are probably two very good skill sets for a bank president to have the audit side of the business mm-hmm. and the commercial side of the business, which is kind of your bread and butter. And um, so one of the things that I, I think is good for to remind people uh, just sort of um, about the sort of the, the size and, and scope of, of Central Bank of Boone County. Uh, it is part of a larger holding company, Central Bank, which is based in Jefferson City, still primarily, largely family held, correct? Correct. Yeah. Uh, so tell us about the size of, of Central Bank of Boone County. So our company as a whole, so we did a consolidation three years ago yep. where we collapsed into one single bank, the, the all, Central Bank. All the charters became one charter. One charter yep. and uh, Jeff City, we're all called Central Bank. Yep. And we were a $3 billion piece of a $20 billion total. Wow. So we're a pretty good size yeah. market. So yeah. it's us, um, Jeff, Central Bank of Jefferson City, yeah. uh, Central Bank of St. Louis, and then, uh, in Kansas City are the biggest in our, in our, 
in our company. Have all of the banks, all the charters take on the central bank name or did anybody stay something else? It- we, we have a brand in, um, we have two brands actually in Colorado where there was a pre-existing central bank. So as creative bankers, we start calling ourselves Bank Central there. Okay, very you know, good. You know, great marketers <laughs> there, Fred. Yeah. Uh, and in Jeff City, we also have Jefferson Bank, which oh, is yeah. a, a separate standalone brand. So we only support those three brands. Yeah, okay, very good. I've, I, mm-hmm. I, I drove by and I saw Jefferson Bank uh, on mm-hmm. the Missouri Boulevard. And I said, oh, I thought that was um, uh, Central Bank, but uh, that explains it. So they kept their, they kept their brand. They kept their brand and, and their own identity. But if you look at their ATM machines, it has dogwoods all over okay, it. Okay, very good. Okay, good. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, just, you know, maybe from 30,000 feet, just sort of your take on the local economy and then your take on the national economy. Let's start with the national economy. Uh, how are you feeling about things right now as you look ahead at 2024? You know, certainly, Fred, as far as trying to estimate what would happen, interest rates are yeah. really the, the driver of that mm-hmm. um, because – Interest rates pull money from people spending it. Um, you know, the big spender right now is the government. And yeah. that's been, you know, a lot of the inflation we're seeing now has all been driven by the COVID money mm-hmm. and, and even to some extent the ARPA money, which hasn't even been spent. Yeah. Yet. That's so that's right. the predominance of what's, what's driving a lot of the um, earnings you're seeing out there. As, as we talk to consumers locally, um, you know, they're, they're, their salaries haven't gone up, and the inflation has affected their ability to have excess funds to use elsewhere. So uh, the economy is, when you look at the stock market, had a really great end of 2023. Mm-hmm. Nice little rise yeah, there. Absolutely. Um, you know, and everyone's scratching their head why that is, <clears throat> but a lot of it's anticipation of the Fed has finally signaled that we're, we're at the terminal rate or the highest peak of what we think we're going to need to be mm-hmm. to get inflation down. And as rates come down, it'll it'll start boosting the economy. So what you're seeing is maybe some preemptive uh, buying in what may happen in 24. I may have heard this wrong, but it seems like we got some numbers this week uh, about December, uh, inflation in December. And uh, it it showed some unexpected signs. I guess there was some significant growth in inflation. Am I reading that wrong or is that something that is, um, I mean, a lot, I think a lot of people, and it depends on how you look at inflation, right. I guess, but, but a lot of people seem to think that inflation has cooled significantly, uh, in recent months. It's not growing as fast as it was growing. Uh, but, uh, overall, I mean, is there still, is that still a concern, inflation? I think it always is, is a concern. And mm-hmm. certainly as, and we'll probably talk about later, what might happen with interest rate expectations mm-hmm. for the year. The most optimistic uh, forecast is we thought we might start to see some rate cuts as early as May of this year. Mm-hmm. And then now you're seeing some as late as next year. And I think it's right to your point is what is the real inflation doing? So yeah. Is it coming down? I think there's general agreement that it is, it is sub, subsiding. Yeah. Um, if you're paying quarterback, Monday morning quarterback, and you look at what the Fed has done over the last two years, uh, over 13 uh, different increases, right. you know, over the course of those two years. Um, how would you grade them? I mean, did they make the right moves from, from your vantage point? I'm going to refer to a, your, a guest you had on previously, right. uh, Jeff McClellan, and mm-hmm. he made the statement they waited too long. And, and I think that's an agreement because it was not popular yeah. I mean, raising interest rates over and over and over. Well, again. you know, it's done with people trying to get mortgages yep. and the whole, that whole industry and mm-hmm. then car buyers and everything affected people immediately and and it really affected 
people on the lower end of the social mm-hmm. spectrum the most. Yep. I mean, it really did. Yeah. <clears throat> and so it wasn't going to be a popular move. And really, they needed to have a gun to their head in this out of control inflation to have the, you know, emphasis to do it. Yeah. So when you, um, w- when you look at some of the, um, the reasons that they were doing it. I mean, were, was the market responding? I mean, I guess it's sort of hard to read the tea leaves sometimes because I think there was a lot of guessing right up to the day where the Fed was meeting to say what, what they were going to do. But mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, were they reading the tea leaves or were they, were they looking at something, uh, maybe more long term? Do you, do you have a sense for sort of their guiding, their guiding light? I don't think anyone expected the, inflation to move up as fast as it did Mm -hmm. so dramatically and so i think there was a lack of knowledge on how to deal with it if you look back to the late 70s when harold volcker was oh yeah so his rule was we need to have rates higher than the inflation rate yeah well inflation was eight nine ten percent interest rates were Mm -hmm. three so we knew they had to go up and that gap if 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 volcker's logic was correct had to go up significantly in that's what basically they've done. I mean, they've moved the prime rate up to eight and a half now, yeah. and inflation's lower than eight now. Yeah, and so they're going to keep it up long enough to continue to draw the inflation down to that two or three percent, whatever yeah. your target is. Is the best way to control inflation? And this is sort of a stupid question, but a very uh, naive question. Um, is is the best way to control inflation is to slow down the economy? Is that is that the thought? Absolutely, Fred. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. The basis of all economics is supply and demand. Right. And so um, people's wages aren't going up much. Nope. They haven't. And so the only other variable there is um, the cost to buy them. Yeah, consumer goods. <clears throat> consumer goods. Yeah. So when you make interest rates low, we're all, a lot of people can get into homes, yep. and we're going to talk about that later. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you buy a home, everyone knows that's the biggest boost to GDP because you need a refrigerator, you need furniture, you need carpet. And so all these people were getting in there and they're buying all these additional goods. Um, And that was just, there's more demand and supply. And then, I mean, even today I was talking to um, uh, a contractor, you can't order drywall in Columbia, Missouri in 2024. It's, it's, it's backlogged that much. You you have to go suppliers outside of our market for drywall. How, how can that be? I mean, you just, mm-hmm. you just, it just seems so unreal. I mean, mm-hmm. it's such a basic ingredient yeah. of, of construction. Mm-hmm. The, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the, the local economy. Mm-hmm. You sort of touched on it yep. there, but you, you know, when you look at what's happened in the national economy, you know, there, there's a lot of people speculate that the Columbia economy seems to be somewhat insulated from a lot of things that are happening on the national <laughs> yeah. level. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, but, but what's your read on the local economy right now? You know, as long as I've lived in Columbia, that, We've, we have been resistant to the, mm-hmm. the economy. I would say as Columbia has grown, that's true for certain populations and some populations are affected mm-hmm. as more as our, as our general affluence in our community has become more diverse. I think you find you can say there are some who haven't been touched by it. Mm-hmm. So if you're working at a job that hasn't been affected or uh, of a certain um, pay range, yep. you probably haven't felt it. But if you're a you know, minimum wage worker or just mm-hmm. entering the workforce, I bet you felt it as bad as anybody else has. Yeah. I think where people tend to feel it most and where you start, start to really see the gap is in the housing market. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about Boone County's housing market. When you when you look at, you know, just take your bank, for example, and, and just out of curiosity, the number of mortgages that you did in 2023 versus uh, two or three prior years uh, before that, pre-pandemic, 
Um, how how do those numbers compare? Are you, are you on pace? Are you ahead? Are you way behind? No, we're signi- significantly down. Okay. I mean, there's so the only thing um, as far in the mortgage business right now is purchase business. What does that mean? Which means if you're going out, you'd buy a home, you'd yeah. create a mortgage loan. Nobody's doing a refi. I mean, why right. would you? Because right. your rates are so much higher. And, yeah. and as Jeff had mentioned, people are locked into their their rate right now because. 3% rate, you want to move up to another house, you can't pay 7%. Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? Yeah. So all that refinance business is gone. Right. So it's just who's going to be buying houses right now. And supply has been an issue and will continue to be an issue for the amount of inventory available. <clears throat> and then the prices have gone up so much. I remember Jeff was talking 15, 20% year over year growth on our, some of these home prices people's income hasn't gone up yeah. so there's less there are, i think there's just as many people want to buy a home um there's just fewer um opportunities for yeah. them to do so i um my my son is a, a realtor here in columbia and i was having a conversation with him this morning and he goes you know it really feels like things are starting to open up a little bit more i don't know if you're seeing signs of that yet in the in the banking business but he sort of feels like uh prices are coming down on some houses and there's a little mm-hmm. bit more inventory coming online but uh it's still not what it used to be that's for sure well, I'm not so sure we want to go back to what it was unless yeah. you're a mortgage lender because, yeah. um, because, but you're still seeing homes under $400,000 mm-hmm. list price having escalation clauses and it's still seeing wow. that now. Yeah. Um, houses over 400, not, not so much. Right. And if you, I like to look at Zillow because that's where most people yeah. shop. Yeah. <clears throat> and so you, I like to look at that a lot. Um, and you see more price cuts. Um, in the homes over 400 than you do under 400. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would guess it's very hard to find anything under 200 right now. And probably anything between 200 and 300 gets scooped up pretty quickly, I would guess. So I, I'm glad you asked that question. Yeah. So yeah. I, I checked Zillow yesterday mm-hmm. and I said, how many homes are for sale? And there were 393 homes for sale in Boone County. Okay. Of those, um, 182 of them were less than 400,000 list price. Okay. And then 184 above. Well, so half and half. Half and half. Yeah. Guess how many homes listed under 200,000? Because I probably happened to check that. Okay. Less than 10%. 28 homes. Wow. 28 homes. That's amazing. And and so. Well, that just doesn't give you many options. And I would guess, I mean, if you just, if Mm -hmm. people are, are, you know, sort of taking advantage of this, probably a lot of those homes in that price range are not worth those prices well because people, people know there's nothing there's nothing else in that price range you know the other thing fred is it you know home buying is a competitive sport yeah and sure so is. especially in columbia missouri yeah and so a home in that price range is going to be a candidate for vrbo for an investor to, to buy it mm. uh, or you know someone ju- yeah. just uh, so rental property for rental property yeah and those that's the top of the food chain for sophistication you know they have yeah. money they have standing order with realtors yep you know those so it's not things. people that are in that uh uh lower uh middle income range that's able to buy those homes they're being bought up by people that have considerably more resources yeah i mean you'll have people who are good renters who are wanting to make that next step yep. of good jobs but they're competing. They have to find that house or have a realtor who finds it before others do yeah. and gets it to them. Wow. That's, uh, that takes a lot of hustle mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. days for sure. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, this is, uh, Fred Perry. We are visiting with Ed Scavone, who is the president of Central Bank of Boone County. When we come back, we'll talk uh, more about the local economy and, and some of the predictions of what the Fed might do in 2024. All of that and more is coming up on the CEO roundtable. You're listening to 9390 Eagle. 
This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. So glad that you've tuned in. Uh, we are visiting with Ed Scavone, who is the president of Central Bank of Boone County. And uh, we've been talking about the housing market. Let's talk a little bit more about rentals, Ed. Uh, what, what's your insight into what's happening in the rental market? So I know on some of the, your prior conversations with Jeff, people are talking about homes and affordable homes. And yeah. when we deal with um, individuals who come into the bank, they don't talk about medium price you know, days on market, they don't care. Yeah. They want to know how much of a house can I afford? Right. <clears throat> and so if you bought a house for $200,000 and were able to put 20% down, you know, you'd be looking at a, about a $1,300 a month payment. Wow. Tax is insurance and everything. What, what, what interest rate is that at? 7%. 7%. Percent. Just, which okay. Is, and that's pretty typical right now. That's pretty typical yeah. right now. Okay. So if you're looking for housing, you're in either, if you can't buy one of those 28 houses we already spoke about. Yep. Then what's what's the rental market for for that? And I know Jeff had mentioned interest or um, rental rates going up, and that's yeah. true. So on Zillow, you can also determine yeah. rentals uh, out there. And so I checked that yesterday, um, and there are three hundred and sixty six available rental units. And you can segregate that by monthly rent. Okay. So if Homes or rentals under six hundred dollars a month. Guess mm. how many oh. units were available? I can't. I, would you want to live in them? Uh, you know, seven, seven, yeah, seven wow. units in the whole wow. Boone County. Yeah, if you if you for six hundred dollars a month. And when you see how competitive rental mm-hmm. rates are, it, I mean, if you can only list it for six hundred, there's probably something undesirable about i hate to say that with the, with the blanket but but yeah. you can almost bet there's something somewhat undesirable either about the location or the condition of the property yeah, it's small or or yeah. there's other things yeah. so within the 600 to a thousand dollar month range there were 145 opportunities mm. and between a thousand and sixteen hundred dollars a month that are 158 wow so remember to buy the two hundred thousand dollar home you're going to spend thirteen hundred Wow. So, you know, so, yeah. And if you're, if you're a minimum wage earner, let's say you make $15 an hour and you work in a full year, mm-hmm. your, your gross income for the year is $31,000. Oh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, yeah. so you, so the numbers don't add up. Don't add you're, up. You just don't have options. So if you're a single person, but what about families? Yeah. So family income. So if you're making $30 an hour, say two, two people making 15 or whatever, that's sixty-two thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. So you can afford about twenty thousand dollars of home expense. Well, none of these options we've talked about fit in those numbers. Yeah. So when we deal with uh, individuals, they want it's not how much it costs; it's, it's how much can I afford. Yeah. Typically, what the conversations like. Yeah, and, and you see the domino effect of that, and you know, in, in local retail and in food establishments and the service industry, mm-hmm. and and you wonder why. Well, why is there only one person working in, in this food establishment, or you know, why is the line at Starbucks twenty mm-hmm. minutes long? You know, it's you start to see the people that are making those kinds of wages can't afford to live in this community. And so it's, um, you know, so that they find themselves, you know, kind of either going someplace else or, or not working, you know. And so it, it's, boy, it's, it's a double-edged sword. It really is. It's, uh, it's really, uh, it hurts our, it hurts our local economy in major ways. Yeah. So. Or you, or you need to live, rent an apartment, have four roommates. Yeah. To yeah. Make the num- I mean, yeah. that's the way people make it work. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's any different here than anywhere else. Uh, but, but as we've seen that the, the cost of housing, you know, 
and how competitive it is it, it's a tough uh, a tough solution yeah there. and some of the things that you see uh driving how i know i know one of the things that's driving rental costs because i'm i'm you know, personally a mm-hmm. victim of it. Uh, and I'm, everybody listening is a victim of it. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, our, our property tax rates in, in Columbia and Boone County have yeah. really, uh, there's been some significant increases. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so if you're renting, you know, you, you pass that along to your tenants, you know, and, and it's, uh, and so that is, but what, what's, what's on, on the home sales side of business, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, there's materials, there's, uh, interest rates, there's supply chain issues. Uh, are there any other issues that are really driving housing costs uh, up? Well, land price for yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, if a new lot and printing any new <laughs> subdivision, you're talking eighty, ninety grand for a lot. For a lot, yeah, just That's an just, undeveloped just start. lot. Start. Yeah, labor costs are for the builders is is probably a big one. I mean, yeah. materials go up and down, but trying to get subs and those costs are are up substantially as well yeah and interest rates so let's talk about interest rates for a few minutes you know Mm -hmm. the uh i don't know how uh much credence uh uh, another banker puts in in uh wells fargo but wells fargo bank is saying uh that by this time next year uh interest rates still should have dipped below six percent um do you (laughs) this is a risky business i understand uh uh, trying to guess what the fed is going to do but but is that is that a likely scenario in your mind there's a lot of pressure, yeah, for for it to come down and yeah. and it being an election year, economic pressure or political pressure, probably both, both, okay. probably both. Okay, uh, that's what I'm going to guess this yep. year. Um, you know, things are pretty slow. Um, I think you'll start seeing them coming. I don't. We just don't know how fast they're going to click them down. That's mm-hmm. that's they need to start bringing them down. But we don't think it's going to get down to three percent because that was probably too low a number it's five and a half six percent is probably a good place to to land yeah will we get there in 12 months i think that's pretty aggressive yeah right yeah here. interesting um when you think about uh sort of some of the things that have been happening in in the banking industry mm-hmm. over the, the last 12 months but you know very highly publicized uh bank failures and of course mm-hmm. silicon valley bank was yeah. was you know maybe the one that got the most attention um, in your mind, what were the circumstances? And I get, I think that most bankers have a fairly reasonable explanation for how this happened at Silicon Valley mm-hmm. Bank. You know, it's not, it wasn't necessarily gross mismanagement. You know what I mean? Uh, but, but what do you, what do you see as the cause for the, the, these highly publicized bank failures that we saw last year? You know, some of us who've been in, in the industry a long time, back in 07, 08, we saw bank failures. And that was, primarily credit driven they're mm-hmm. making bad loans to, to, to folks who shouldn't even have had those right that was the cause of that one mm-hmm. so when we saw a bank fairy here they're thinking okay what's what's the underlying issue there and what it it turned out to be fred or what's really exacerbated it is in some of our prior meetings i always talk about the speed of business that's right yeah and this this is what actually caused it in this mm-hmm. case you had individuals um, or a lot of individuals who had large sums of money in this bank, just cash sitting there. Yep. And they decided, well, we want to move that money to higher yielding CD somewhere else. Yep. Or, and so we want to redeploy it. In the old days, you'd write a check and it would take weeks or months to, to move this, all this money around. Mm-hmm. They can hit a button and move it all out tomorrow. Wow. So if you hear the term uninsured deposits and what us is, uh, Consumers, we have FDIC insurance on our, on our deposits up to 250. You can get 
to a million if you structure things with certain uh, tiling. Mm. But it really was never meant for commercial businesses. Mm. FDI insurance was not meant for commercial businesses. I didn't They're that. not okay. FDI, com, commercial deposits are not FDI insured. Okay. But so those are what when when people speak of uninsured deposits, they're commercial deposits. So <clears throat> all these big um, companies that had these large sums of money there, corporations just moved them out overnight. <clears throat> well, banks don't have that money just right. sitting there in, right. in in the vault. They invest it. And what they had done, or Silicon Valley Bank, and a lot of banks did, was <clears throat> raise for so long for you know for low, so low for so long, they went out really far. In, in buying bonds. Right. So a buying a bond is like, better rates. It's like buying a CD. Yeah. You know, if I go yep. three years on a CD, it's a better rate yep. than, sure. Yeah. And, and these so, are government treasury bonds, correct? Government treasury. They're good. Yeah. They're all quality yeah. things they bought. The problem is once you, you know, invest in three years, you can't get the Your money back. Your money's locked up for three years. Yeah. Unless yeah. you sell it, if you sell it early, then penalty, you, you could sell for a gain or a loss, yeah. depending on the value of that asset. Yeah. Well, in Silicon Valley banks and a lot of, I mean, Every bank, for that matter, who 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 bought out um, at the, the lower interest rates, the value of those assets have gone down, mm-hmm. and so they had to sell those assets at losses to pay these depositors who clicked the button and moved their money. Wow. <clears throat> they couldn't do it fast enough, and and all their capital disappeared, and they became insolvent yeah. very quickly. <clears throat> so, very unique situation there, Fred. There's there's a there's a graph you can see of of banks and their unsecured deposit. Um, uh, numbers, you know, Mid-Missouri Banks, us, Commerce, you know, all these banks, nobody played in that game. So, mm-hmm. they're, you know, local banks are all very solid in, in that regard. Um, it was just something on a national basis. Yeah. And, and it's, it, the truth of the matter is Silicon Valley Bank probably would not have failed had they had some time to react to the situation. Correct. It, yeah. yeah. And so, and, and I think that I think a lot of people just just decide that it's a bunch of greedy bankers that are grossly mismanaging an asset. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is there's there's a lot more to the story than that. Correct. It was just a timing. And and surprisingly, that bank, Silicon Valley Bank, there are people in mid-Missouri who had money there. Oh, big time. They're they're, they're the (laughs) money behind some of our some big companies, some big startups. (laughs) Exactly. So 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 they had a nice little niche there. Um, Good for them. It's just they, you know, they had a little bit of. Their, their modeling of their asset liability was a little flawed, and that's what yeah, caused that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it'll it'll be interesting to see how that continues mm-hmm. to, to to play out mm-hmm. uh, in the coming year. Um, what about community banks? You know, uh, this uh, most of our banking community we have some some large players here mm-hmm. locally, but um, most of uh, most of our local banks are community banks. What, what's the state of the union for for community banks right now? Yeah, I. You know, I was thinking about this subject when I when I heard you interview Jeff McClellan, mm-hmm. and Jeff McClellan is you know Mount Rushmore of community bankers. I mean, he really is. I mean, he built their organization and and uh, and have a lot of respect yeah. for him and and what he has done. And but I I agree. He said uh, community banking is kind of um, on the decline, and and to some extent I agree with that. And mm-hmm. and I, I will say that it's not so much the banks are changing their models. I think the consumers have changed the way they want to be served. Mm. And what I mean by that is uh, just, I put it in three buckets. Yeah. People want to self-serve yep. their, whatever they do. And this could be banking or any business. They want a hundred percent self-serve. They want to self-serve and have help when they need it, mm-hmm. or they want someone to do it for them. Right. That's the three buckets. And, yeah. and all of us kind of 
move within those buckets ourselves. I'm, I don't know the last time you've been in the bank branch. Yeah. Probably, well, I, I'm in bucket number three. I want somebody to do it all for me. Right. I really do. I'm, mm-hmm. I'll do a little bit of stuff online, but, <laughs> but I, I like that personal touch. I like being able to walk in and see somebody I know in that bank, but I know that I'm atypical. Right. I think that's um, a potentially a generational thing. Yeah. Cause I'm, yeah. I am that way too. Yep. Um, but not everybody wants that. So if, if people want to be served just through the, the internet, I mean, there, you can get a mortgage now and never meet your lender. I mean, that's yeah, the, that's, that's right. The, that's the way it is. Right. Or you can negotiate it and you just do it through text. And yep. there's, so, uh, community banks, I always think of as bucket three, like you mentioned, where mm-hmm. you know Fred and his family yep. and his yep. dog's name and yep. all that. Um, and you have that long-term relationship, but consumers want to operate in different spaces mm-hmm. there. And we have to adapt to that. And yeah. so the more, the more we have customers going to self-serve options, which are less costly, yep. it's more impersonal and it's further away from the traditional community banking mm-hmm. feel. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we try to balance that, you know, and I think the community banks will try to balance that going forward. Does it, does it boil down to when you, when you have a, an all digital, all electronic, impersonal, type of banking does it boil down to whoever has the best rate i mean how how are people picking banks you know they it's very difficult for for someone to move from one bank to another it seems yeah uh but does it how do they decide which bank they're going to do business with we i wish i knew the answer to that fred because all of us are trying to acquire new customers and retain retain most banks do a good job retaining customers Mm -hmm. because once you get in there the service is going to be yeah. pretty good unless yeah. you're dealing with a, a big, a, a, a bigger bank. I would say generally customers want to self-serve. They mm-hmm. want it cost effective and they want it easy. Um, I don't know how much value is put on. If I bank locally, they're going to invest locally and not for profits. And they're going to do the traditional community banking sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I always think of, um, you're familiar with dryer shoes. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> How many people you know who go there to try the shoe on and then go online and buy it? Frustrating. Frustrating. Same same thing in banking. Let's go online, see what it is. Yep. And because we just want the transaction. So that's. Yeah, that's a new reality. It's a new reality. Yeah, that's Ed Scavone. He's the president of Central Bank of Boone County. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. Uh, talk a little bit about cybersecurity and some of the fraud that we're seeing uh, in the business. And uh, we'll talk about uh, some uh, other things about the local economy that will uh, certainly pique your interest. All of that and more is coming up on the CEO Roundtable. You're listening to 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable show. Fred Perry, your host today. Uh, we are visiting with Ed Scavone, who is the president of Central Bank of Boone County. We were talking uh, before this last break about uh, uh, when banks fail, like Silicon Valley Bank, and, and there were some other pretty significant uh, failures. Um, who who picks up the slack on that? I You know, I... I I want to talk about the regulatory environment, but I, but I understand that when there are losses like that, that there's an assessment that is, uh, given out to other healthy banks, which has got to be very frustrating. Tell us about what happened last year. So the FDIC insurance fund is, is funded by 
um, assessments to the whole banking system. So there's no taxpayer dollars or part of the federal deficit. It's all self-funded. Mm-hmm. So any deposits a bank has, even us healthy ones, we pay a deposit. We pay an insurance premium for that. So when I mention consumers, $250,000, we are we are paying that. That's the cost of right. those funds there. And another reason we don't, you can't insure commercial. The, the numbers are too big. We couldn't right. afford the insurance. So, yeah. That's another part of it. Yeah. But when Silicon Valley um, Bank failed and the, the decision was made to make everybody whole who even weren't insured. Even was, businesses? Everyone was insured. I mean, you may even remember during COVID when people were nervous, the Fed had a temporary period there. I don't remember if it was how six months or something where they insured everybody's deposits. Everybody. Every deposit in the system was insured mm-hmm. for a period during COVID because they worried about run on banks. Yep. That went away, went back to the normal. So when Silicon Valley Bank failed, because they were worried about how that might ripple across. Yep, yep. They said, well, we're just going to make everybody haul whether they were insured or not. Comes out of the FDIC in reserves. <clears throat> that money has to come from somewhere. And what they end up doing is making an assessment against the the healthy banks. It's not the health bank. Every other bank yeah. in, in, yeah. the, in the system wow. has to pay assessment. So we got our share. I don't, I, I don't know if credit unions pay for that. I don't think so. I think they have their own mm. reserve requirements mm. there too. So, but um, frustrating. Yeah. Wow. Well, That's it's just amazing. cost of doing business. You know, yeah. we, when, when people put deposits in the bank and say, well, they're free money, they're not, there's a cost for us to have it just sitting there because yeah. we pay the insurance. Yeah. On. A lot of people do. And I, I, you probably don't want to share that number on, on, uh, on the air, uh, but it's, it's probably a fairly shocking number. Uh, the assessment you had to pay this year. Sure, it's based on the asset size of the. I mean, of, of your uh, bank, of our bank. Okay, so okay. It's they say here if you're this size, you pay this percent, yeah. and that's public knowledge. Yeah. It's not. And does it go down? I mean, so does it go down to the community bank, the 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 the, the person that may have three or four branches? Absolutely. Okay. Everyone, everyone pays. Would everyone pay, pays. Would pay their absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Goodness yep. sakes. Yeah, that's something. Um, one of the things that before we leave, uh, before we move on, the the housing market. Mm-hmm. You had an interesting stat during the break that that you shared with me, but um, you told me that seventy five percent of all homes sold in Boone County mm-hmm. sold for under four hundred thousand. Okay, and interesting. That's, that's why when we were talking earlier about the breaks of under four hundred and over four hundred, that's yep. where I came up, and that's how. Uh, um, MLS data, Brian Tui would, yep. would talk about yep. it as well there. So I thought that was pretty uh, surprising. Medium home value in Boone County is at what number now? Three, about 350. 350. 350. Okay. So yeah. you're getting right to that 400. Now, once you, you know, get above 400, there's like a lot more days of inventory sitting yeah. there. Um, I don't know if people realize how much that number has changed in, 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 yeah. in recent years. Yeah. You know, I just mm-hmm. sort of, you know, I go back uh, to, I used to know these market, these numbers really well. Um, uh, you know, when I, when, when we were out selling the magazine and we would talk about, you know, the types of people that we were reaching and, and, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago that the medium home value in, in Columbia Moon County was $172,000, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and right. so, uh, for it to double in that short period of time is, is a little shocking to me, you uh, know? We used to be, if you, I mean, if you looked at three or five years ago, what home price were in Kansas City or St. Louis, yeah. we were super discounting to mm-hmm. them. No, we're about the same now. Yeah, maybe I mean, a little higher. Someone said maybe yeah. a little bit higher. Yeah. So yeah. if you look at price per square foot, we are we are right where Kansas City, St. Louis is. Yeah. So uh, that's that's really uh, 
I don't know if that's disturbing or, or what it is, <laughs> but it's just change, I guess. And I need to get used to it. We hear a lot of commercials about uh, security, cybersecurity, yeah. fraud and so forth. H- how real is that problem? You know, Fred, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because mm-hmm. we touched on it last year. When we look at the bank and the losses that are incurred, mm-hmm. you know, you would think someone doesn't pay a loan back or a business goes bankrupt, you're going to take a loss. And that's historical. Yeah. Fraud losses surpass all that now. They surpass write-offs. They surpass yeah, write-offs. Yeah, bad loans. Okay. Because, because the numbers are so big mm. and the fraudsters um, are, are able now through the internet is you know they they stalk people and yeah. and so you know i i think you know you're not really seeing so much on younger folks mm-hmm. now first they're not going to carry the balances necessarily but it really is you know the boomers you know the, the gen xers who are generally compliant when they get an email to yeah. follow it yeah and um we are routinely seeing people losing six figures and seven figures of, of hard-earned um, life savings. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. And so is there any recourse for that individual or for the bank? You know, if we catch it early enough, we can try to find it for them. Mm-hmm. But generally, it goes out in the form of a wire transfer. Again, that speed of business. You're not writing a check yeah. that you can stop. <clears throat> they are get, being befriended. They're being groomed, yep. to use a word. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's surprising, Fred. We will have people come um, into the bank to... to to wire money to a person who's coached them on what the bank is going to, what are, cause we have challenge questions, yep, you know, and yep. because we, we try to protect that. And, and they, they have coached these individuals so well. They say, well, the bank says this, you say that. And they put so much of their trust in this person they never met than their own um, local banker. I, I can tell you that our bank, us and you know all the organizations we we can sniff that out we mm-hmm. we we know when something doesn't we see enough of it yeah and we'll, mean, there, there are some intelligent people listening to this radio program mm-hmm. and and i think they're saying well how could that possibly happen but it it guess it happens way more than we think it happens well and there's no there's no publicity of it yeah i mean it's larceny that's happening you know behind the curtain you wouldn't know because we can't disclose it, and the customer certainly isn't disclosing. Yeah, <laughs> and so embarrassed. About so we it. use these kind of venues, and you know, on our website, we to to watch out for for fraud. Can you can you say what the two or three most common ways of defrauding people are? I mean, what, are there certain scams that are that are uh, more widely used than others? There are. Um, you know, typically they will um, start a relationship with an individual, send an email out, hey. Pretending versus social engineering. Hey, they'll send an email and say, "Hey, I'm from the bank. We, we know some activity on your account. Would you verify your account information uh-huh. with us?" And then they basically open the door for that customer yeah. for them to get into. That's one way. Another thing is uh, wire fraud, which which happens. We, you need to wire all this this money to us because um, they form a relationship. We have a family member who's dying, and you need to help us. And so people get invested, and these are like. They take months to develop these groom these. Yeah, people. are these mainly senior citizens? Not always. Oh, not yeah. always. Not yeah. always. And you know, Fred, we try really. I mean, people get aggravated sometimes with banks, and they'll say, "Well, it's none of your business what I'm doing with my money." Yeah. And you're asking too many questions. We're really trying to protect them. Yeah, we really are. And 
we get to the point where we have a, someone across the desk, like you and I are, mm-hmm. I need to wire 300000 to this person. Well, do you mind if we call this, you know, and verify it? No, I don't want you doing that. Can you tell me the nature of why you're sending, you know, 300000 to Guam? Mm-hmm. No, I, you know, it's, it's investment, whatever. So we say, well, we don't think it's legitimate because you've never done this. So we've got this form here called the Hold Harmless Agreement. Ah. And we slide it across the desk yeah. and say, well, we think it's a fraud. We want you to just sign this so we wouldn't. And they happily sign it. I mean, if if the banker is saying, hold this harmless. Yeah, we think it's a fraud. They know what, what's going on. Yeah. And, you sh- and so I would just suggest to others that um, if you're being challenged, you know, when you're trying to make one of these, mm-hmm. understand that the person at the their their job is to serve you, but to protect to provide some protection. Yeah, and just by helping answer some of those security questions, um, you know, people worried about government monitoring and all. But it's we're really just trying to protect people from yeah. fraud, and the numbers are are massive that are are lo- or that are that are happening. Has the government sort of cracked down in the last 10 years or so about sort of the types of transaction? Like, isn't there, aren't there some regulations about how much cash um, somebody can, can take out at, at one time? Or is there any kind of regulations uh, surrounding that? There, There's always been money laundering um, regulations mm-hmm. there for, for certain transactions. Yeah. I'm not aware. Um, we're required to file those. I'm not aware that Honestly, that they have the manpower to even investigate yeah. any of that, but yeah. they're trying to manage funds going to, you know, foreign countries or yeah. illegal activity. It, it was interesting. I was in the bank uh, 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 last week, and uh, an older gentleman came in and said, "I need twenty five thousand dollars cash out of my account." Mm-hmm. And the teller, you know, the teller kind of started to engage him a little bit yep. about what, you know, why, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that a lot of people feel like that's a tremendous violation of their mm-hmm. privacy. And, yep. and, you know, he said, you know, he was going to buy a truck the next day. And, yep. and it was interesting. This is a, a large bank in town. And they said, well, you know, sir, we don't have that kind of cash. You know, if you'd given mm-hmm. us some notice, you know, the most we can give you is 5,000 and you can go to one of our other branches and maybe get 5,000. But, but, you know, it's just sort of interesting, uh, you know, that, um, I wondered if some of that was just sort of in place to protect people from themselves. Well, I wish it was that great. Of, yeah. The, the real reason, Fred, is the money sitting in the vault yeah. doesn't do, make us anything. Yeah, that's right. So we want to keep our cash as low as possible mm-hmm. and have it invested like you would in a CD or whatever. Yeah. That's the real reason. It also protects us if we were robbed that you wouldn't have too much. But typically for larger transactions, if if you came to our commercial division, um, we we could handle that. But if someone wanted to withdraw a hundred thousand in cash, we'd want them to order it ahead of time yeah. too. We got about a minute left. Okay. Let's talk about embracing change <laughs> and sort of what that dynamic looks like in the banking industry right now. Well, it's not unique to us, mm-hmm. but certainly banking is changing. Mm-hmm. And for for a lot of things we've talked about, and, and banks are a um, established um, institution, and we don't like change. Yeah, and I- we understand the customer demands, technology. Um, the community banking model yeah. is is moving, and and if we want to stay relevant um, in our community and with our customers, we need to to continue to evolve there. And you you will see a lot of bankers, especially small ones, who are forming a uh, relationship with fintechs, fintech companies. Mm-hmm. So a small bank can't develop this new payment system, but they can go use this fintech. And so their ability to to work with those sort of partners where historically they wouldn't do that is a, is a part of that change. Mm-hmm. And so we're all dealing with all these things 
um, and we need to hire people that are willing to do that. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, it's getting harder and harder to hire people, but we can talk more about that on a future show. But sure. Ed Scavone, president of Central Bank of Boone County, thank you for coming in. Thanks, great Fred. to visit with you, Good and uh, you. congratulations on your success at the bank and all the great things that the Central Bank of Boone County does for our community. We appreciate that. That does not go unnoticed. This is Fred Perry. We are signing off uh, for this edition of the CEO Roundtable back next weekend. You've been listening to 93.9 The Eagle. Yeah.